Oh, yes. It is another jam-packed episode of the Locked On Nets podcast, where today we talk about coaching philosophy. Kevin Durant gives his take on where a head coach is best using his skill set. And we wonder, is that the only thing that matters? The most important attribute that matters? Managing personalities? There's a lot of X's and O's that goes into winning playoff basketball that Kevin Durant could be overlooking. We'll discuss it all from a superstar all the way down to the last member of the bench right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. It's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Nori, owner-operator DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. DraftKings, FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants over on the One Giant podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And Doug, before we dive in, on the uh, Kevin Durant quotes going back, we'll contextualize when the quotes came out around coaching and what the most important role they play to an NBA team is. A little health check, man. How are you, sir? As as the as the summer heat catches us. Oh yeah, so we're, yeah, we started recording a little bit in the heat wave here over the weekend. <laughs> uh, the, as as is well documented, uh, one of the world's premier babies when it comes to heat. Is that the byline of your of your of your portfolio? I'm well just documented, one of the all time baby. all time babies when it comes to when it comes to dealing with heat. I just hate it. And about to move to the, one of the hottest places on earth for reasons that are not entirely clear. Uh, but that's okay. We're going to sweat it off and get used to it. But um, yeah, no, uh, happy to have the heat breaking a little bit because uh, it's something I think about well in advance of it happening and then think about it almost constantly when it is happening. <laughs> Always the classic combination. That being the case, we wanted to talk about Kevin Durant and his coaching perspective because going back to, and just to give context of when it occurred, this is most likely eight, nine months ago. When he gives this quote, it's the interview with David Letterman on his Netflix series discussing everything, both on and off the court in terms of basketball. But ultimately, when they get to what is the role of a head coach, what is the most important role that he plays to a team? Kevin Durant responded with, I think that's the biggest thing. We all know how to play. We all know the terminology. We know every single scheme that can be managing personalities. I think that that's their biggest job. When you hear that, and he started it out as saying managing personalities, that was the number one, and then he followed it up with a little bit of context around it. What, what just what's your initial reaction when you hear him say, "Hey, head coach, it's really just about managing ego," something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, especially when it when it pertains to superstar level talent and championship level teams. Yeah. So, okay. So I knew you, I know you gave the context around timing. I will be interested to know how, if this a- answer has changed for him after the way that of course this season just played out, like there's a very good <laughs> chance the interview with Letterman, it w- was done again, like last year prior to the season starting, right? Like where yeah. the, there was probably a little bit of turmoil. He mentions Harden in the, in, in the thing as like being a teammate. So like it was clearly done before last season before the trade. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive it wasn't in season. Like I, I'm pretty sure it was like you know around that media day. I remember Letterman shows up at that media day like randomly, um, and it was like asking weird questions to Durant. So yes. I do, I do yeah. wonder, I do wonder if this this answer would have changed. Okay, so I'm just gonna throw that out there that we that 
there's been a lot of stuff that's happened between now and then likely. Okay. So the second part is, is this the most important thing? I think this is a wider discussion around the NBA in general. I, I do think that coaching is very different for what level of player you are, <laughs> right? Like as you get higher up on the hierarchy of superstar, I do think that for a Kevin Durant managing a person, managing personalities is probably one of the most important things. Cause he can do, like he says, do and know just about everything on the basketball court. But I don't know if that's the case for every player. And I do think it's, I mean, it can't, it has to be the case. Like not every player has the skill and knowledge of Kevin Durant. So at some point, if you would agree about that, then you have to agree that at some point coaching has to be more than just managing personalities. I, again, he's not saying it's the only thing. He's saying what he finds it to be the most important thing. I don't, I, it, it'd be hard for me to think that's the case once you start getting into guys who just aren't as good as Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, because it can't, how could it not be? Like, you're not managing everyone's personality. Some people you just have to make better. And like, and the way you make it better is coaching on a bunch of different stuff that they might not be aware of. Sure. You know, it's interesting, too, because you said with everything that went on this past year, if that's changed for him or not, certainly the on the court, there, there's questions to be asked there of Steve Nash. And we're going to get into the coaching staff, obviously, overall here in a little bit. But I, I do. I, I wonder if the past season would also reaffirm a little bit of this opinion that he has on, at least from like a regular season perspective, where you go look at everything that happened and what was most important, maybe managing that's true. Personalities and egos and expectations inside the locker room. As you have a guy like James Harden saying, eh, I don't love what's happening here. I'm probably out. Kyrie Irving isn't available, not with the team. So now you end up with Kevin Durant. And for him, maybe it doesn't even matter as much. Or maybe it did, right? Maybe Steve Nash, let's put it to the head coach, was in his ear saying, hey, I get it. This isn't great, but we, we can get there. We can work our way through this. And then to the lower level, guys, to your point, these guys aren't as naturally talented, athletic, and gifted as Kevin Durant is. So how are you propping up some of the lesser players who are supposed to be a part of this team in pursuit of a championship and yet find themselves in the murky waters of either having to do way more than they were expected to like a Patty Mills, right? Having to carry bigger loads and also trying to compete in a season that was supposed to be structured a lot differently, getting to the playoffs and looking to win a championship. I mean, I will say like in Nash's favor on this, like I think Nash is actually really, really good at this, right? Like he was like sort of like weirdly unflappable all last season when (laughs) it was completely all over the place. That was a really important thing for the season, not going completely off the rails and it went very much off the rails, but like it could have imagine a situation where Nash is not dealing with this situation very well, like on a personal and professional level, which would have been totally reasonable, by the way, it was a total mess. Like the Kyrie situation was a mess. The Harden thing was a mess. I mean, what do you, whether you want to say he could have headed that off at the pass, it sure doesn't seem like it. And so, um, like your Durant's injured, you, you you have 50 different starting lineups. Like there's a world, there's a world where Nash is just like, dude, this is not what I signed up for. Like no coach signs up for this. This is a, this is a disaster. He, but he, to his credit, like was unflappable. Never had a negative word to say about anybody. Um, like got thrown under the bus completely on like where he was supposed to be reporting injuries because like, yeah. the, like, like that was not even totally clear. And they just kind of threw him out to the wolves, like the media wolves time and time again, be like, What's up with Ben Simmons? And he would just give some conflicting report. That's not his fault. He's just not giving are, him from He's not giving him James, Are you trading James Harden? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like literally like he was walking just, out he was like time total, after time. Yeah, he was just the total front-facing thing that just took all these bullets and never did anything. So I do think from that perspective, that was very, very important for at least keeping the train a little bit on the track. Um, and you want a guy like him who's 
had, you know, thousands of media rep hours just as a player, kind of knows what the questions are going to be, knows like how to answer them, knows how to deal with the media. I do think that part is very, very important. Whether the, it's the most important thing, it's hard to know. But I, I, you do have to give credit for Nash kind of at that point. And it's not like managing personalities, but it's just managing situation stuff that's all off court. <laughs> like none of that stuff yeah. had really anything to do with what was happening on the court. And he... I think handled it as good as you possibly could do. So I think from that standpoint, Kevin Durant would probably, that does fit what Kevin Durant saying is like, Hey, go out there and kind of manage what this whole situation is. And there's a lot of moving parts and you're going to do your best. And I mean, some guys might've just quit. I, I, <laughs> do you think too? Cause it's funny. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Right? Like super superstar level talents could, can quit on things like this. Do you find it a little bit, um, I'll say a little bit ironic that Kevin Durant is saying managing personalities is among the most important, he said the most important thing, but everything else that goes into it. But given what his personality is, like in some ways, it feels like Kevin Durant is saying this relative to what other superstar NBA personalities sometimes require, maybe from the experience that he's had in Brooklyn, whether it's with Kyrie, whether it's with James Harden, right? Like, I don't think Kevin Durant doesn't need a lot of personality or ego management. Maybe he does, right? Doesn't seem like it. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of like saying, again, let's bring it back to the top. Very few very few players have the talent that Kevin Durant does. So when he looks at a head coach, he goes, I know all the X's and O's. I'm one of the best players in the game. What I need from a head coach is someone who can manage everyone else, manage these personalities and get them in line with me in support of me for winning championships. Now that's not ideologically saying that Kevin Durant views himself as that, right? He knows he's an apex predator. He knows he's one of the best. And he's also always communicated team basketball and putting, you know, team above self, all those things. So I think he agrees with all of those, those aspects and also understands I need a coach that can galvanize people around me or around the two best players on the team. If you throw in a Kyrie or a Ben Simmons when healthy, et cetera, right? Like that, I think maybe speaks to where his, his mind goes around this stuff, knowing that he is not necessarily a vocal leader in that same way where he could be getting on guys on a game to game basis and really talking more where you need to be, what you need to be doing. Yeah. And I think like for him, from his perspective, he, it's like nice to have a coach that probably will do a little bit more of that stuff, right? Like a little more cheerleading and and things like that. And because Durant is just not going to be that guy that's going to shift for different players. Some players are going to be more of just like on court generals. I don't think Durant like would fit that bill completely. Like he clearly is great, but he's not, you know, controlling every aspect of the game or like, you know, super vocal on the court. If you think of guys, you know, LeBron or even Draymond, the guys like this that are just like very much dictating like sort of through their words as much as their actions about like what's of what's happening on the court. I don't think we would put Durant in that in that kind of vein. I think that Nash is like probably more rah-rah than he is um, like X's and O's. I think I, I that's I don't know if that's a fair statement, but it is. But that's fine. Like you, because I because like the current leadership doesn't really have that as much either. So it's like I, I do think that Kevin Durant probably needs a different kind of coach, and probably for his point of view, is saying like managing personalities. Like he doesn't. He says it in the quote too. He says like um he doesn't want to be. Te- he wants to let us. I'm gonna paraphrase this. He tells us to. He wants a coach to let us go eat and let us do our thing. I think that's the best coach. Like he throws that in there, which is to say, like, I want to have my freedom. I don't want to be told, like, have a bunch of rules around it. Sure. Now, maybe Kevin Durant is a, is the kind of guy where he doesn't need a bunch of rules because the work ethic is unmatched and the talent's unmatched and he doesn't need it. I cannot imagine that's the case for all players. Though. Like, right. we, we, okay, well, here's the Superstars case. Know, or otherwise. We know it's not be the case. We know that yeah. we, other players, other people, and just people in general, like mm-hmm. just humans, 
different humans need different levels of direction, right? Like not all of them. Some people are free to just go and do your thing. And it's just going to be a plus every time. Some people that we all know them in our life that are not going to be that case. <laughs> I think like, I think Durant is speaking really more for himself, but I, I can't imagine like organizationally that this is the number one thing because there's just too many other players with things that are at different points of development. All right. We have a ton more to talk about here, especially with the Nets coaching staff as well. First going to talk to better friends over at prize picks, NBA fans. You have to get over on prize picks is the de- best daily fantasy option for the NBA because it's super easy to use. All you're doing with prize picks, is you're picking two to five players. You're going over under on their projections. You can win up to 10 X that's 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not in there uh, like other daily fantasy sites, uh, you know, trying to build lineups and all these sharks. No, it's just you versus the prize pick numbers over under. You can pile them all together. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. That's just for the NBA. Maybe you want to go over the MLB. Also, you can combine sports to get those players in there. So it's not just for NBA. NFL time comes around. You throw that in as well for a limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You're going to get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. You have to use the code NBA. Exclusive offer just for Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, so the one the one thing I want to hit here before we get into the coaching staff, and, and obviously we're going to highlight some of this turnover here. And you know, you mentioned just you said philosophically, if that's if the organization isn't a little bit different from that idea of oh ego or personality manager as the as the first tenant, I'll actually make the case that that is what's most important, and <laughs> we can break down why when we talk about some of the departures they've had on their staff. But I, I saw this one quote. This goes back to 2013 from Greg Popovich in an interview with Sports Illustrated. And I just thought it was w- worth highlighting when asked about what, what is the role and how do you build success for a team? Yes, we're disciplined at what we do, Greg Popovich told Sports Illustrated, but that's not enough. Relationships with people are what it's all about. You have to make players realize you care about them and they have to care about each other and be, and be in, interested in each other. Then they start to feel a responsibility towards each other. Then they want to do it for each other. Yeah, I, I, I will say like, so maybe that overall heading of, you know, personality manager, you go, oh, is that always enough? And the X's and O's clearly matter. And Greg Popovich gets to make that type of quote statement because he's also one of the best X's and O's NBA coaches in, in the league history. But when you frame it a little bit deeper like that, I think that that's kind of a part of it too. You say lower level guys, the back end roster players, guys that fill things out. What you do want is some sense of, I'll use the, the dirty word, culture, where all of these guys, that you know, individually, no, not necessarily the greatest, but the sum of the parts and the fact that maybe Bruce Brown or that Blake Griffin is willing to step in and get his body bowled over in a game or Patty Mills because he knows he gets to put on right, the blue-collar boy's hat and look over at the bench and see these guys getting hyped up. Different teams have this. Not every championship team necessarily. Do you think back and go, oh, I remember some of the little details on the bench and what the bench mobs were up to. The Nets have had this historically. Hasn't always been in great seasons. But I think that part of it does matter maybe in the margins, right? Not not as much as X's and O's, execution, but in the margins, those things can matter. For sure. And like, I mean, historically, it's been kind of on record that Popovich has been one of the best ever at this thing. Like he still has... I'm pretty sure I mean, I just know this the case like when he goes into new towns, you know, for games, any ex player 
that like played with him, they all go out to dinner together. Yeah. Like that's like a thing. And so it's a minor thing. Right. But it's definitely a thing that happens with these guys where it's like, Hey, the expectation is like, we all played together. You were on the team. We're part of the same family that's known. And you know, I don't know if it happens with Kawhi, but I think it happens with just about everybody, <laughs> <laughs> like just about everybody else. And like, that's just there's one of like these little signals that like he understands it from, from top, all the way to the bottom, right? And like Kevin the, Durant this, experienced that on Team USA with Greg Popovich, right? Right. And so, and so Popovich has been on the all-time great set. Like I, it's you know, it's going to be hard to compare other coaches to Pop because he's you know had one <laughs> of the like greatest coaching resumes uh, ever. But you can try to emulate some of what he does by saying like, hey, these are the tenets that by which we are going to like act and perform and live. And when we do those things like sort of winning will come, right? Or we'll exceed expectations. And I think for the, you know, for the most part, the Spurs have exceeded expectations. Like they easily could have dumpstered this season and tanked. They didn't, they freaking made the play in like right. with a team that probably should not have made the play in. Right. So, and a lot of that was just because, Hey, we're not going to tank. We're just going to try to win. Like that's not the philosophy for a lot of NBA teams, but you do that for enough years. And that's just what you end up being. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I do think with the pop thing, as it relates back to the nets, it's much easier said than done because, Sure. Like they also came along at a time that just had guys like Duncan who were just like all about that. Right. <laughs> like all about just team keep quiet. Like and to, to your point and then having to maybe make a difficult choice around someone like a Kawhi Leonard, right. That if it doesn't fit into this mold, the talent, there, there's a discrepancy there. Well, that was Kawhi that asked out. Like Kawhi uh, didn't like how he was being managed sure. with his injury and stuff. And so like, it doesn't, it's not going to be one-to-one. -one. It's not going to, I guess the point is it's not going to work for everybody. Right. In, that, yes. Yes. In, in the grand scheme of things, it seems to have mostly worked anyway with the nets. Again, I think guys like Durant require something different than the other guys on the team <laughs> and like what your, your job is, is to make it so that your other players sort of exceed their expectation or their baseline expectation. And I want to believe like historically the nets have done that, but I'm not sure it's happening with like the same frequency now. <laughs> and maybe it was happening a little more like with Atkinson, who was like a little bit more of a player development coach along those lines. Right. Like, and you know, that was a timeline where we were getting higher expectation than what the baseline was. And maybe Nash is that guy, or maybe he isn't. I um, but the but the stakes are different now. So this is it's it's hard because yeah. I I think that like you, your goal, your number one goal is to keep Kevin Durant happy. I, like that I think is is clearly stated, right? Yes, like you have to. Like, like, I agree. I concur. He has to be happy. So kind of the rest of it doesn't matter as much if he's not happy. The problem is if the other things go by the wayside because you're not as good at those things, or there's been tons of coaching turnover and you can't develop then you are going to get, it's going to catch you in the end. Like you're, it's going to, it's going to limit your upside. I, I guess yeah. that's my point. Yeah. It's interesting because like you say, you know, who are players that have benefited from, from, from what you would think would be that, that philosophy coming from Steve Nash down that aligns with what Kevin Durant is saying. Like obviously Bruce Brown has been one of those guys, right? Um, I think now Patty Mills coming in this past season who played underneath Popovich for so many years, probably fits that bill in a lot of ways. I think there's some guys that you can see the success of that philosophy paying off in terms of supporting cast members. And then you, you know, it has Nicholas and this is I'm not knocking Nicholas Claxton, but it's like, has he always exuded that same type of mentality? I think some of the veteran players have actually showcased more of that than maybe some of the younger talent guys that have exceeded expectations in terms of, of what they've been able to produce on the court from a young cast standpoint. 
Well, I don't know if that's necessarily about the, you know, uh, managing their personalities or expectations in a guy like Kessler Edwards or Cam Thomas. That might just be actually, that could actually be about the X's and O's and getting them to execute better or work better in, in practice to be better than on the court. So, you're, you know, it's probably easier to talk about those things when you're not at the level the Nets are wanting to win championships, right? Well, and also, like, the X's and O's part, you can't, you know, when Katie says, you know, we all know all these these plays, right? Which is like kind of what he intimated during the thing. It's we like, get it. Okay, yeah, I think that's probably true. Like, you've made it to the basketball, like, the highest levels of basketball. You're going to understand, like, all the different actions. You're going to, you know, and there's all these different actions. Pistol, horns, you know, floppy, Spain, like, you know, like Chicago. There's tons of stuff, like, that you're going to need to, like, sort of just know as a baseline expectation. Um, and then, like, all the defensive, you know, assignments and, you know, and communications and stuff like that. There's a ton of stuff you have to know. And you cannot just assume that if you made it to the NBA that you know it all. That's just definitely not the case. Like, it's – it's um, so I think like just un, like just kind of passing off the X's and O's stuff as not being as important because all basketball players know it. I just can't buy that. Like I just can't. It just can't be true because we've clearly seen teams that year, it would seem that year over year exceed their expectations because they have a combination of like culture plus schemes that they just know and can adapt to to make them win. The Heat are going through this right now. Like the Heat are not as talented. You would think, you know, one to seven as the Celtics are or some of these other teams and they are two games away from the finals again. <laughs> like and because Spo is considered to be one of the very best coaches in basketball, both on a player level and an X's and O's level. So you can't it has to be a part of it. And I and I, it has to be a big part of it. Like there's just no way around it. And that's why coming up here in a second, in addition to some of the coaching turnover, I'm going to explain why just because, you know, all of the basketball terminology and expectations and execution doesn't mean that you're always capable of executing it the way superstar talent can using the Miami heat as a backdrop. But before we do got to tell you about our friends over at rock auto guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, if you're on the East coast, there's a pollen out there and it is coating my car. And when I went to go ahead and give a little spritz of the old windshield wiper fluid found out that the line running from my wiper fluid reservoir to my wipers was no longer working. That meant that I got to go over to rockauto.com where I always like to go because it means that I'm not spending 50, 70, or even a hundred times more than going over to my local auto parts store, telling them I need this very specific hose to run from here to here. They say, sure, there you go. Wrong part. Wrong make, wrong model, overcharged, and who knows if I'm even getting all my money back on a return. The bottom line is you go over and use the easy search drop-down menu on rockauto.com. You find the make, the model, and the part that you need, and you know that you're getting it at a great price. When you do go over there, of course, you're going to be on rockauto.com. You can see all those parts available for your car or truck. You write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the, the one thing I want to touch on, you, you mentioned it there, just because you know, we assume the Bruce Browns of the world, and he's been pretty good. Or Nicholas Claxton, let's take him for example, right? He's been playing basketball a long time. He's developing. He's been in the league for a number of years in spite of having under 100 career games. Just because you know all of the X's and O's and what you're supposed to do doesn't mean that situationally, and we see this in, ba in playoff basketball, the Miami Heat, even the first round series against the Boston Celtics, it's because you had a lot of guys being coached at a high level and making situational adjustments, having the coach communicate, Hey, they're doing something different now against us offensively. Let's switch to X and knowing that the players can 
at the drop of a hat, pivot to that new scheme, to that new function. It doesn't mean just because you have the playbook doesn't mean you're always equipped to execute it as efficiently and effectively as you need to. And that's where I think coaching, timely coaching comes into play, especially as you get into the postseason. A hundred percent. Like there's no, there's no way around it. Like you have to be able and to do this. For Kevin Durant too, by the way, sorry to cut you off for Kevin Durant too, yeah. because I feel like there were, there are examples inside of what was going to be a losing effort anyway against the Boston Celtics. But there were times when we, we, we talked about it on the podcast, Hey, at some point, either they're not coaching correctly or Kevin Durant is dismissing the coaching that says you can't just dribble down into a double team and hope that things work well out of that. There has to be another method to it. Yeah. And so like, and again, just look at the, some of the teams that are left here in the adjustments. Like we saw Jason Kidd. like there was a great scene of uh kid, like switching where the, they were going to line up uh, switching where they sat um, uh, or excuse me, switching which direction they started the game in so that he could be more in, in the Phoenix series. So he could be more involved in the defensive call out and schemes of what they were doing against Phoenix. So he could be right in front of that on the defensive end. It was like they, they specifically did it. It was a great thing. We've seen Ime Adoku just like, coaching in game and doing stuff to make adjustments to make sure that they have their best chance. Like the coaches that are left here are the ones that are actively making, you know, adjustments over the course of a game, you know, like play Grant Williams a lot more because that's going to work. Like all this little stuff like ends up really mattering at this level. Um, And I just don't know if the Nets like have had that, like, and you know, and then this is a good time to just talk about some of this upheaval too, because like yeah. they've had significant coaching upheaval outside of Nash over the first two Nash seasons. Um, or excuse me, first three Nash seasons. No, no, sorry. Uh, first two Nash seasons. I got the, I forgot Atkinson was the, fir- the first year. Atkinson Vaughn was year one of the KD uh, Kyrie thing. And then they brought in Nash when KD was coming back. So, but look at like the, 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 the coaches they've lost from their tree. So they lost Ime because he goes and gets the job with the Celtics. Fine. You take the head coaching job. D'Antoni just left. Like, like he was now he's in line for another head coaching position now, but he just didn't even just choose to sit on the sidelines for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, now this season, they're going to lose David Vanderpool. Almost definitely. Uh, he's gone. Uh, looks like Adam Harrington is not going to be with the team anymore. Mark Stein reported that. I mean, that's a lot of coaches that you've all, and good ones too. Like Vanderpool yeah. was a really well-respected coach. Obviously, D'Antoni is one of the best to ever do it. Uh, and Emay's crushing it with the Celtics. Like this is a lot of brain trust to lose <laughs> off your bench over a, just a two season span for a guy who let's not forget had never coached before last season. And well, so that's just the impact of the coaching tree right there. That's just Steve Nash putting his disciples out into the league. And you're going to see, I mean, look now Ime Doku came out from underneath the Steve Nash coaching tree. Look at the success <laughs> that he's gone on to have my goodness. Well, they did like a great job. I mean, good, a little upstart could get a head coaching job because of what he did under Steve Nash, you know, kudos to them for hiring great guys like Marks and company hired. Like they got Ime from the Sixers, right? Like D'Antoni was like kind of, you know, leaving the rockets and was looking for something else. And, and so like credit to like, putting these guys on the bench, but this is a lot of turnover for a team for uh, frankly, for a guy that probably needs a lot of help here because at, well, first of all, and, and that's not a knock on Nash. Every coach needs help. That's why there's like, you know, 50 right. million assistant coaches on every team. They all need help. There's lots and lots of moving parts. There's a reason these guys are all on the bench. They all have their roles. They all have sections of the game that they specialize in. They have players that they specialize in. Like that's not something that's talked about is that typically among the coaching ranks, you kind of work with different players. Like this is this guy's guy. Like this is this guy's guy. And they kind of do that. And they sort of attach themselves within, within a team to different players that they're going to work with. All of a sudden, all these guys move around. The players gonna are gonna feel that also, right? Like they're not yeah. getting the sort of like the same one on one like consistency through this rank. So it's all to say, when there's a lot of coaching rank turnover, 
it's going to be very difficult to maintain consistency around personalities and scheme and all of it. Like it's just, go, even if the guy at the top Nash and then Jock Vaughn, who's, you know, second in command are still there getting all these other, like a, a good group of guys that just don't maintain is going to, is going to hurt you. This isn't, yeah. And this isn't to say, um, this isn't, this is not in any defense of Steve Nash, but it's twofold. First, I just want the, the quick point of being, you were saying there in the last segment that, um, you know, how, how does the team, how does the organization want to develop this? They certainly care about the X's and O's, et cetera. I'm sure they do. We know that they do. Oh, and yeah, also, yeah. and also because you have Steve Nash as your head coach, you can make the case that they do see things maybe through that same lens as Kevin Durant. The first most important thing is managing these personalities. The execution, the X's and O's, of course, matter, but we do have this hierarchy board because we've seen some of these coaches go, uh, obviously, turn over here over the last couple of seasons. But to your point about, I, I think, the, the most important part of the turnover, again, and something that Kevin Durant probably looks past, right? He goes, yeah, guys, come and go. Either way, I'm working my game. I'm one of the best in the league. I don't necessarily need to worry about some of the positional coaches, some of the guys that are working on the side with the younger players, with developmental players, with the rookies, even with veterans that are trying to be more effective in how they want to execute from a game-to-game -game standpoint. But everybody else does, though, right? Yeah. Like the Bruce Browns of the world, what happened to him? Now, he recovered from that. But a lot of it was because his role completely shifted and it looked different at the start of the year. So he had to reshape his game. I'm sure the staff was instrumental in doing that. Nicholas Claxton is trying to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, trying to be more effective, not, not bring the ball so low to high when he gets it in and around the basket, be a little bit better in execution from passing out of the post, right? Like all of those things are where every other coaching staff member, including the head coach, come into play in a way that Kevin Durant or the best in the league probably go, yeah, either way. It's why sometimes a guy like LeBron James will jettison a head coach because he doesn't see it as being the most critical piece. And, hey, I'm frustrated. Things didn't go well. You get rid of the head coach, and in that situation, in Vogel, let's say, a guy that has a lot of experience in the league, and you go, well, it might not have mattered to you, but it could matter a lot to other players on this team. 100%. Like, you need the, – there has to be consistency there. Um, it's clear that other guys – we mentioned it from the beginning. It's clear that other guys benefit from – having good coaching and consistency because of what's helped them like sort of like know where they're going with their careers and how to get better. Like it, one thing the NBA, I know why they do it, but they do such a disservice to like actually how much coaching goes into the games. Like when they do these in-game coaching look-ins, right? Like, you know, you get mic'd up, you get a coach mic'd up on the bench or in the locker room. And a lot of it sounds like total rah-rah stuff. Cause like, it's like, come on, you know, work harder, work harder. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, they do say that, but the, what you miss is like that's the part that the NBA approved for them to like broadcast because the right. other stuff is all is all strategy. <laughs> and, and by like, the way, and you you sometimes catch those little things where they cut away from it when they're they're starting to diagram right what you want to see happen, or on the back end they'll show you the footage of. They executed that play exactly yes. as it was drawn up on the sideline, but everything else is going to be to your point. It's all strategy in there. Like all the rest of it is strategy. It's just not broadcast because they don't want to let on what the, the NBA has agreed. They're not going to let on what the team's strategy is. It's like why you don't hear the NFL. Now, see, it's funny with the NFL, like the NFL, you don't hear them calling plays in, but you know it's happening, right? Like it's very clear that each play is a play that's happening, and that's like something the coach designed and like then had the team implement. That is not dissimilar to what's happening in the NBA, except that I don't think people think about it because it looks a lot more fluid. It's like a lot more moving parts. It looks like it's just something that sort of happens, right? Like magically, but that's not the case. And so I, I guarantee if they were to give those live look-ins and just have it unfiltered, you'd catch, you'd, it'd be a totally different experience. You would, you would see coaching in a totally different way. I think loud people just, 
don't see it like that because it's curated in a way that would make it appear that it's just like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the head cheerleader on the team. And if I can just, if I can just like motivate them enough, they'll go. That's like part of it, but it's so, it's such a, it's like a way smaller part than people realize. No. And it's what makes the NBA game. I think so much harder to break down, right? Because to your point, it it happens so fluidly on the court. You can see it's 12 possessions in the blink of an eye, NFL, other, other sports. You can look and go, Oh, that was the design of the play. It worked or it didn't work. And so by the way, movies. I'll tell you right now, the NBA announcers are no help with this. Like there are very <laughs> right. few, yes. there yep. are very few that are any help with this thing. Like the X players are the absolute worst. Um, like sometimes you, and it's not their fault. Like they were just really good and it's hard to convey something. <laughs> to Kevin they, Durant's point. We just like, all know like, this stuff. It's really hard for an X player who was really good to convey all the pieces of the game that came very easily to them. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not saying they didn't work hard. They worked the hardest, but I'm saying like, the baseline talent was so good that it's sometimes going to be very difficult for them to convey it in a way that's going to be good for the untrained ear. Some coaches are better at this, like the Van Gundys. Like, I mean, Doris Burke's pretty good. Like, there are people out there that, I mean, even at, even Mark Jackson will sometimes have his moments, like not really. But, um, like, we're, but think almost, about how... Almost paid Mark Jackson a compliment. Very like, think about how... I mean, it's just, I mean, whatever, he's fine. Yeah. Um, the, like, think about how little you hear about the X's and O's when you yeah. listen to a broadcast. Like, you, you never hear them talk about specific sets and plays. Like, they never mention that ever. Like, I, I don't know why. They all know what they are. Like, I don't know why they feel the need to not mention it, but, like, they don't. Like, so it's, this is where coaching gets digged a little bit, too, because it's like, you know, you are not given a window into even what some of the thought processes are because it's also surface level. And so... I don't know. I'm a little getting far afield here, but yeah, but the last, no, the last thing I'll make on it is like when you see, when you see head coaches putting their hand over their mouth and just, you know, talking behind the bench to other guys, and then you see coaches shifting up and down the bench and then talking to players intermittently, like that's everything that's happening on an active basis on a play to play where you go, Hey, did you see how, see how the defense did this to us? When you get in there, player X, you're going to want to try to create more space in the corner. You're going to want to try to drive harder this way, work the pick and roll, et cetera, all those things. So yeah, no, the in-game adjustments are certainly something that's fascinating. And to that point, I guess, so just to tie a bow on it, it's it's what makes it very interesting to see now what will the Brooklyn Nets do here going forward to reshape this coaching staff under Steve Nash and did, to your point, we said at the top, did Kevin Durant's opinion or perspective on, on this change at all after seeing some of these factors over the course of the season? There's all the off-the-court stuff that maybe Steve Nash did a great job with, and then when you watch some of these coaches and some of these teams in the playoffs, you can't help but, but look at it and say, Yes, there is a very clear need for this hierarchy of execution and a clear plan of attack when it comes to, if not the superstars, everyone in behind them. Totally. Like you just see it with every team. Just look at how, look, by the way, the way they easily see it is just look at some of the minutes redistributions of, of teams, of guys that have made it this far, of guys just aren't playing as many minutes as they did, even like in a series before. When that happens is because they've made clear choices around like, we just have to do something different, right? We have to do something yeah. different that like Kevon Looney is like, didn't play at all. Now he plays all the minutes for the Warriors and they're killing. Like, that's just a clear change of things he did. Like teams are clearly making adjustments to this situation. Oh, so, okay. oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what? Yeah. Be a tease. But the idea of, you know, it's, we talk about like a guy like Andre Drummond who is, or is not going to be brought back. We see how bad he was in the series. And you go, this is an example where he shouldn't maybe see the floor at all. And then had the Nets been in the playoffs longer, we might get the sample of, making those right choices, right? Using him when it's valuable and then just flat out taking him off the court when it isn't. And those little margins are something that a lot of fans called for, right? Why aren't we seeing more of LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin, right, wrong, indifferent? Why didn't we see other versions of this team? That then falls back to head coaching and execution. 
Yeah. And I look, look, I think sometimes it's going to be, you're going to fall in love with the thing that's not there because you think it's going to be better. And there are other times where it's like, Hey, it's clearly this thing's not working. And anyway, this is all to say that coaching, I think, I, I think we would agree just to put a bow on this one is that we would agree that coaching um, <laughs> is, and it feels like it'd be, crazy to think it's not is like a lot more than just managing personalities <laughs> like i think it needs and it, but it's what in the end it's going to be different for everyone and i think for kevin durant that probably is the most important thing and i just don't think we can like you know prescribe that to all players all right we're gonna get out of here we will be back again later in the week we might have some word on some contract stuff um if that gets underway uh we'll also hopefully get a clear idea of what's happening with the draft as we get later on to this week with the pick they don't have to make the decision yet uh but we have some other pieces that we're going to talk about in that's world there's always a quote that's coming out so like that's no big deal <laughs> they are great in, in uh and always providing you with something in the meantime make sure you subscribe over on locked on nets youtube uh, that all you can do is hit the subscribe button there. Leave a comment as well. Try to get into the comment section. So like and subscribe over on YouTube. Ah, uh, yes, friends. Acting is not an important job in the scheme of things. Plumbing is. Spencer Tracy. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking right. more Brooklyn Nets basketball.